We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Monday evening. It's January 1st. Happy New Year. Uh, today's show will be the usual Monday morning pod uh, with Chris Hines from the Star Tribune. Uh, of course, with the difference being that the Wolves already played today. It was a matinee game uh, at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. Classic too little, too late loss. Uh, Knicks 112, Wolves 106. Uh, which we'll, of course, get into. I thought there's actually plenty of interesting positive and negative uh, trends to to come out of that game. Chris, you were there. Uh, you are still there, or you're back at your hotel now. <laughs> Correct. Um, they were kicking me out of the out of the press room. I was going <laughs> to record from the uh, from the press area in MSG, and security guard comes in and is like, uh, <laughs> "Is like uh, eight fifteen is the is the." the time and he's like he's like let me go check on that and he comes back in and he says yeah that's a hard 850 so, <laughs> uh, so i had so to here exit. We are. so here we are um, monday morning podcast evening edition yes after dark after dark dating chris after dark um <laughs> i i was as i had i wasn't in the locker room i was at home and uh watching the game again put together some of those uh topics but you know my experience whenever i I'm in the locker room or whatever uh, after a game. I always feel like kind of a a trend or the trend of the game sort of crystallizes because it's the trend that, you know, the players and, and the coach have. So mm-hmm. I guess just start there. Like what what was the mood uh, in the locker room afterwards? What was was kind of said? What? Uh, yeah. What, what was? The, yeah, it the wasn't. Gist of it? it wasn't. And you've seen a, a lot of we've all seen a lot of Timberwolves losses over the years. Their losses are not created equal. The teams feel certain losses more than they feel others. This was a loss that I think they're going to, they'll have shaken off by the time they land back in Minnesota tonight. Um, I don't think that they're beating themselves up too much about it. Yeah. They, they realized they didn't play well. That second quarter was a disaster. I think they felt okay with how they played in the fourth. Um, You know, um, Jordan McLaughlin, obviously a, a, a huge bright spot. Cat gets on track offensively again tonight, uh, despite the foul trouble. Um, so I think all in all, not not 
this one's not going to be a memorable loss or one that really stings with them. And this is kind of what they've done. They've, they've, they've been able to turn the page yeah. pretty quickly, which is why they haven't lost consecutive games uh, all season. Mm-hmm. So I think they've they've really already done that. I think mentally that was the vibe I was getting at least. Yeah. Um, well, maybe let's let's start with uh, them, the Knicks, right? And Julius Randle has has thirty nine in this game, and I, I was just kind of thinking, you know, even before the game, I'm like, you know, they're going to start an OG and an OB. Like, how are they? Who's going to guard them? Right? Carl has typically done it, and he and he did. Uh, again in this game and i'm just kind of i i forgot that they're playing the pelicans on wednesday but it's like randall started the game really strong i was like you know this is an interesting sort of type of matchup for the wolves where the primary score is like a four yeah and so it's not somebody you are going to guard with gobert so it becomes like the question of do you put mcdaniels on them do you put towns on them uh kyle anderson off the bench i thought he did a pretty good job on him and and I, I don't think it was like I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say Carl had a great game, but defensively on him, but it was Julius Randle's just good. And it's like that or like that type of physical four is hard for them. And I think about Zion on on Wednesday mm-hmm. and maybe that for a potential first round playoff series, right? Yeah. And just just this uh yeah, the idea of how they can match up with that because I think in the last game uh, against Zion, that was a problem. Uh, Randall has kind of consistently been a problem for for this team in this iteration of the the Gobert Wolves. And I just did. Did anybody say? Did they? Talk, did Finch or anybody mention like Randall after the game? What stood out to you uh, about about the Randall matchup? I didn't really ask specifically about the Randall mm-hmm. matchup. I was more just I was more focused on what the hell happened in the second quarter. Yeah, more than more than anything else. Um, um, so I, I didn't really get to delve too much into to, to that. Maybe we could ask Finch about it, you yeah. know, pregame on uh, mm-hmm. was it Wednesday? Yeah. yeah. Um, but but it's an interesting point, especially because of how both like Julius Randall and Zion Williamson are built, right? Which makes it a little tougher for Jaden uh, to, to guard, you know, mm-hmm. that big of a of a player. So. Yeah, Jaden also did a good job on Brunson. Like, he did. He did. Brunson uh, was five of twenty three in the game, yeah, and yeah, uh, but it's you know you just kind of have to make that choice. And I don't think mm-hmm. in the starting lineup there's the obvious matchup, defensive matchup for the Wolves. I kind of think like, sorry, I cut you off, but like mm-hmm. I think you're gonna again. Let's just say they play the Pelicans in the the first round, and what if Zion has like thirty seven in the first two games. Do you go like okay? Do we need to put Gobert on him? You know, yeah. And so yeah. I, I just kind of think about in the, in the idea of like trying different things. I would be interested to see that, you know, or like Giannis when they play them in you know how, whenever that is next month. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just I wonder if Gobert can be an answer, and maybe it's not. Maybe that's I'm not even saying I think that's for sure what it is. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's it, it, to me it's an interesting it's an interesting thought and I thought obviously uh, a theme of this game in addition to the other things that you're mentioning. Yeah, I think I th- I think it's a good point because you know Cat can guard Val in that theoretical playoff series. Cat could guard Valanciunas, obviously. Yeah. Like that's not that big of a switch over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I I think it, it, if, if it were a playoff series, I'm sure they would at least experiment with right. it. We'll see what happens on on Wednesday night, mm-hmm. um, but it's interesting. I'm trying now. I'm and mentally. I'm trying to think like who else in the West has yeah 
that kind of thing. And I'm well, like, you would say Jokic, but we know kind of how they right. We do know how that. they how they would do that, and mm-hmm. that's been proven to, to work. Mm-hmm. How would they match up against, like, say, I don't know, like the Clippers? Yeah. They don't have a, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, it is just, it's an interesting, and it's it's kind of a fun thing when you yeah, have a, a good yeah. team. I mean, you know the Wolves are going to be mm-hmm. in the playoffs, right? Like, mm-hmm. which we haven't had that thought, you know, for many of the years. Right. We've been covering the team. So it's where my mind goes in, in a lot of these these games. And I think, like, to the Valanciunas point or Hartenstein tonight, like, if you do take Rudy off of the center, you're probably going to get hurt on the offensive glass even more, which is obviously – a, a huge deal and uh, in this which game. New Orleans can do as well. Um, huge, yeah, totally. yeah, it, that would be a huge plus for them. Um, yeah, it, it's it, the rebounding reared its. I mean, we've talked about this before, they've done a decent job, they haven't done a great job this year rebounding, but they've done a seemingly a good enough job. Mm-hmm. Rebounding you know what? This season, so during the game, what we we needed like a name for this 16 game stretch, you know, the, that we, we talk about all the time. It's a really rough 16 game stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, road heavy, good teams. Uh, this was their 11th game in that stretch. And I looked it up. Uh, I was going to just look up the, the turnovers, like in this 10 game stretch, you know, where are the wolves and turnovers dead last, like they have the highest turnover rate um, in the NBA since yeah. December 11th. When that, that was that first Pelicans game it started the, the track, but, Next, the column next to it uh, on cleaning the glass was uh, rebounding, and mm-hmm. the Wolves in deep with defensive rebounding have been first in the NBA. Uh, really? Yeah, that surprises me. Totally. That, I mean, that really surprises me. <laughs> yeah, and and even even with this, I mean, they got crushed on the glass by the Knicks, which is what the Knicks do. They're the best offensive rebounding right. team in the league, but the Wolves are still third, and now this mm-hmm. since December eleventh uh, there. So, I. I think it's fair for us to not freak out about the offensive rebounds given up tonight. Like we, there's a bunch of different things to yeah. point to there. The yeah. Knicks are really good at it. Um, it. It was a day game. Like if you're probably baking in some being a little lethargic uh, mm-hmm. with, with that there too. So I, I don't think we need to pile on uh, a loss and be like, this is bad. This is terrible. This is the turnovers <laughs> thing is right, bad. Though. Right. That has yeah. been, obviously, been a trend. It's, it's been a trend and even going back, uh, years prior with with this group, so um, that's kind of the the main concerning element of this team right now is, you know, how how could they play without turning the ball over as as much as they are? Because mm-hmm. it's nuts, man. It, I was looking like they're in that time again. Last ten games before this, they're twenty third in offense, but eighth in effective field goal percentage. So it's kind of like remember when Finch was giving us some of those stats pregame before the Lakers game. I think it was. He's yeah. like, would be a you know, a top 10 offense if we were turning it over at a average rate, a, an average rate. Yeah. And and yeah. so like their eighth and effective field goal percentage in the NBA and those that that's, there should not be a 23rd in offensive rating and eighth in effective field goal percentage. And it is just all, it's all the turnovers. And, and that is the one broader issue with this team right now, right? Is elite defensive team trying to convince us that they're something more than a mediocre offensive team. They can be. The thing that's holding them back um, is is the turnovers. Wasn't as egregious this game, but I think uh, I think Cat had four and Ant had three or one way or the other uh, on that there too. It it seems to be them, right? If, if they can right. find a way where Carl and Ant can can lower their turnover rates, I think the teams 
turnover rate is is going to is going to come down a little bit. But you're running the offense through those two. You are playing in flow and freelance style as as they like to do, and that's going to put you in jeopardy of turning the ball over a lot. And so I I don't. I mean, I know Finch isn't going to change. Like Evan's like, oh, you know, more play calls. I, I agree. I, I would like to see a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. But there, there's these things that how necessary are they for us to like hand ring when you know like Finch isn't – he's not going to be it's, like, okay, scrap really the flow. Change. We're going to – yeah. Yeah, so I, I just think – you, think you know, I think – I'm reminded, you know, my dad was a, was a high school basketball coach and, and one of his kind of biggest pet peeves was, you know – Obviously, like if you if you leave your feet on on offense, you need to have a plan of what you're doing with the ball before you leave your feet. And I feel like not just if they leave their feet, but like when they drive into the lane, sometimes I feel like whether it's Ant or I don't know Jaden or whoever, right? Yeah. Sometimes when they get when they meet a crowd in the lane, it's like oh they don't know what they're doing next with the ball. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling I get just yeah. watching it sometimes. And then that leads to questionable passes. It leads to mm-hmm. tough shots. Um, uh, and obviously the, the, the passings where the turnovers come into play. That's what I, that's what it feels like mm-hmm. when I'm watching that. Sometimes oh, totally. like they don't have a plan and that's part of playing with flow and unpredictability. There's no, okay. Once you hit the lane, you're looking for option a over here mm-hmm. and option B over there. It's, reading reacting and and trying to process all that in the moment um and it's just not clicked in right now the way that we've seen it in the past Mm -hmm. um so i I really feel that that's that's one of the things that i just the the vibe i get from just watching it is these guys get into the lane they get around a crowd and it's like oh no what do i do next i don't know what i'm doing and but part of the issue is the crowd itself yeah you know it's like it just like struck me when I was watching that Thunder game when, when I was like, oh, my gosh, there is just so much space out here. Every time anybody drives the basket, it's like they kick it all the way out to the perimeter. And it feels so the, the court just feels so expansive. Or if I watch the Celtics play, it's like that. And and it's, I think it's so jarring because I'm seeing this from the Wolves every night. And and part of them is it's naturally going to be a little bit more packed in. It's part of their identity, too. It's they want to be a good offensive rebounding team. They want to put pressure on the rim but everything is just is just creeping into the middle there. So then, like, and that's, if you don't make a good decision yeah. in a congested floor, it's more likely to then become, you know, a turnover in those situations. And I think particularly on the ant drives, those are the passing turnovers, right? Carl's yeah. have been a lot of charges. Those are, but those are both symptomatic of, you know, driving into a crowd. And I don't know, I mean, there aren't really like a ton of options for Finch in terms of just like juicing the rotation with more shooting. Like you could play Troy Brown a little bit more, but I think you kind of know what you're going to get out of Troy Brown. It's not like, okay, here we go. We've got this huge three point shooting weapon on the floor. Like they need to have more space. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that comes from exactly other than, you know, maybe playing Kyle Anderson less, but then he's about, you know, it's, it's just kind of one of those cycles where I don't, I don't have like the right answer of how to space out the floor uh, for, for this Wolves team more. I mean, you know, and we'll see if they can, if they can get this, get this corrected, you know, you've made the point several times before and we've, we've talked about a lot. It's like, 
this is usually about the time of year where a Finch offense clicks in, mm-hmm. um, where we've seen them kind of find their footing and take off. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. And I'm it could, sorry, man. I'm, if you just drop the could. turnovers, it would. It just it, would. Yeah, that, that's right. Them. It's just it, it's just them just trying to figure figure things out. And mm-hmm. like you said, the, the spacing has generally been pretty good. I mean, early in the year it wasn't great, yeah. um, but they figured it out, I think, a little bit, you know, after a couple games. Um, you know, like and, those Rudy and, blocks tonight, too. like when Rudy's yeah, getting blocked to the rim, it's yeah. just like a swarm, you know. Right. Like they were they teams teams have adjusted to that. Like I, I haven't I haven't seen the Rudy lobs not work. Yeah. Uh, as much as they True. didn't tonight in any game this year, it seemed yeah. like every time they tried to get it to him, um, it was a turnover. Yeah. And then when he did catch it, uh, he was getting he got blocked a couple times, and right. it just wasn't effective or as effective as it normally is. Um, and you know, the, I feel like the Knicks. I mean, no Mitchell Robinson, obviously, but they still have Hartenstein, and it's like they have size. They have some size. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe super physical that maybe other teams aren't going to have mm-hmm. in that way. Um, so yeah, it, it's I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is other than be more careful with the ball. Right? Yeah, you it's know, probably I, just but, a mentality of that of like right. just coming to grips with the fact that this is what it is going to look like. Uh-huh. So maybe get more comfortable at times playing in a crowd. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're have, have, have a little more preparedness or yeah. a little more idea of what you're going to do and. Don't try to force it. If it's not there, yeah. don't try to make the riskier pass. You know, we we hear them say it all the time: make the simple play. Don't make right. the don't make the the, the big play. Um, they're not doing that. They're not taking that that advice as as cliche and as simple as it is. It, it just feels like they they aren't doing the easy things on offense. Let's grab a break here, quick. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife mm-hmm. Brewing Company. Uh, I know a lot of. Wolves fans were at their New Year's Eve event uh, last night, and we always, well, first of all, the owner texted me and he wanted me to wish everyone, a all the Wolves fans listen to this, a, a happy new year. So a happy new year from uh, Falling Knife Brewing Company, a longstanding sponsor, obviously, uh, with the show. And they're sending me pictures, videos from the games in the bar, the tap room there has been, you know, full and fun. Uh, for for these Wolves games, they have two projector screens. They have they have the sound on. So as always, you know, I'm always uh, suggesting people to go check it out. But maybe as your schedule here and you move into winter uh, is gives you some more time for happy hours or to get out to to Wolves games. It is really sinking in that that is becoming uh, a or the uh, Wolves bar in in Minneapolis. So always just keep that on your radar. Maybe maybe this Wednesday. Um, it's home if you're not going to the game. Uh, they they play the Pelicans, and then I think Friday is a road game uh, in Houston. So uh, multiple times to go check it out this week, and obviously throughout the season. That's Falling Night Brewing Company, Northeast Minneapolis. Um, Chris, let's get a little bit more into that second quarter. I mean, I know it. What went wrong in the second quarter is what we were just talking about: is the turnovers and offensive rebounds and stuff like that. But what did did you just get that it was a sense that that sense that they just weren't really awake yet? Did, did they, well, I mean, I thought they, they played the first quarter. Well, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know that the, they weren't awake. They, they were up yeah. nine after the first quarter. So I don't know that you can totally buy that. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just the cliche where, of the 2 PM. Game. I know. Well, well, and, and it's also, you know, new year's day in New York city. Um, you know, the, the, the beat writers may, you know, may have been affected by such a schedule. <laughs> 
such yeah. a scheduling schedule loss. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know that I, that I necessarily would buy that, okay. you know, as, as an excuse, mm. especially because they did play so well in the first quarter. It's just, yep. yeah. You know, I, I just feel like at, at times of late, they've been prone to just a little loss of focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we've seen that in some of these losses during this stretch. Um, I think I think the big thing for me, I, I was the rebound was obviously a concern, but how many times in the second quarter were they getting beat on back cuts too? Like, yeah. you know, that, it seemed so, like that was that was happening a, a, a lot more than it usually does. Reminded me a little bit of the of the OKC game in terms yep. of some of the easy baskets that that the Knicks were getting. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I think it just it kind of goes to something that I've often thought about with this team and how they play defense. I have a cough coming up here. Hang on. <laughs> You're good. There we go. There we go. He's tried back. to mute that. Tried to mute that for you the people it. out you there. Okay, great. It. I sneezed right in everyone's ear last week. I was like <laughs> trying to finish my point and I'm like, okay, did I do it? hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, good. But, but, but it just reminded me of something that I've just kind of been keeping an eye on. And I was asking about a little bit today after the game, just how they, play defense in the amount of attention to detail, the amount of focus, the amount of physicality that is required for them to play at an elite level on a regular basis um, on that end of the floor. Like, I I just feel like it's prone to moments of slippage. Like I just, I just do um, with the way the schedule lines up and whether that be, they lose it for a whole game. They lose it within a game for stretches of time. Today was a, a, a game where, they lost it for about half the game and then yeah. got it back in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, so I, I think you're just with how they play defense the numbers at the end of the year are going to bear out. Um, I, I feel like, but it's within that you're going to have to put up with these moments of mm-hmm. just seemingly wear or tiredness or fatigue or, like I just don't think you can be on as much as they were yeah. early in the season with on defense for all 82 games. I think you're just going to be dealing with um, nights where they don't play excellent defense. They play pretty good defense yeah. um, or they play really good defense for two quarters and not as great defense for the other two, which is right. what kind of kind of what tonight was. So I think I think you, I think that was a game where that showed itself. tonight. Yeah. And, and back to the the rebounding part of it, like. That is a way, even when the defense isn't super sharp to be ending possessions, like that's why this defense mm-hmm. has stayed good, like in terms of its rating against these tougher opponents. We've definitely seen some of that slippage, but they've still been in the month of December, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I just think the rebounding, like you fall back to that. You, you know, you think about Gobert at the rim, you think about Jaden at the point of attack, it's like really a huge part of this is is ending the possessions and i think that's one of the areas i think carl's been really helpful yeah the the entire of the season like even in some of his like worst games like that celtics game i remember it was like you know that was rough but i probably to you too when we were sitting on meter row i'm like you know carl's ending these possessions with defensive rebounds he's not scoring he doesn't have that yeah and it was kind of like that against the lakers a little bit too like it was yeah the the defensive rebounding is like your baseline you know it kind of keeps you afloat and i think that's that's important for this team 
the, where the game turned, right? Okay, second quarter was terrible. And you you kind of, the beginning of the third quarter is a little bit of a hangover from that. Yeah. And then uh, Jordan McLaughlin uh, comes into the game. That's the real, I guess, positive takeaway. I think they were down by 21 at the time when Jordan checked in yeah. about midway through the second quarter. By the time he checked out, uh, at, at one point, they cut it down to four, from 21 down to four. Uh, and those J-Mac stretch, I think when he checked out, uh, they were down eight. Um, really did what he's been doing when he's been getting these opportunities of, you know, not just putting like everyone's like, oh, you put he puts pace into it. It's like, yeah, he 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 did that. He does that, that you can bank on that. But he's also been super active defensively. Yeah, he came in right got, right away, got Steel. two steals. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And and he did yeah. that whatever the last game when he checked it in the third quarter mm-hmm. was too. actually had a three in this game, which is, uh, you know, a big that's a big part right, of probably what's been yeah. holding holding him back there. So I mean, I saw just some of your like tweets from uh, from after the game about you know some of the players and Finch mm-hmm. Finch talking about it. Do you think we're getting to a point where maybe he does become an every night part of this rotation for the team? I think so. Maybe I hesitate. I hesitate to say yes. Yeah, because I we've we've watched Finch now for three seasons, um, you know, and it's like, I feel like he talks about wanting to extend the bench a lot. Right. We, we kind of go through that, that cycle with him. It's like, Oh, you want to, you want to play nine guys? Oh yeah. I want to play. I want to play nine guys. And then it's eight, eight and a half. Mm -hmm. And it's always like that. If I feel like, and that's just what he's, he's fallen back to. Um, I mean, he did say after the game tonight, you know, that, J Mac is, you know, there, there might be a guy that just grabs that ninth spot, and J Mac is on his way to doing that. Was mm-hmm. basically what he said. So maybe, maybe it is, um, and especially as the offense is working through its issues, um, having him inject a little, a little life on that end, a little, a little ball movement, um, making the simple, easy plays. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's, maybe this is the time. Uh, just both from a, you know micro sense of today's matchup and a macro sense of where this team is at Mm -hmm. uh, in the course of the season. So I'd be stunned if he didn't play Wednesday night, but I'm not going to sit here and say that a week from now, I'm expecting him to be playing 10 to 12 minutes a night because I just don't know that that's going to be true. I do think Finch is a rewarder though. He is. He is. You know, and, and that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't mean, oh, you have a, a good stint in garbage time and you're for sure in like the mm-hmm. rotation the next game. Um, but I do remember that with Jared Vanderbilt. I remember mm-hmm. that's like where it all kind of started. And like Finch recognized that activity that Vando had. And then, you know, he kind of creeps in for the rest of the season, creeps into the rotation as like the eighth, ninth guy. And then the year after that, I think that he eventually started starting yeah. For, yeah. for the team. And I, I just... Maybe I remember that was a day game. That one time I remember Finch with Vanderbilt yeah, like, it was, it referencing was, that. Like a like Bucks Brooklyn, game or something. Bucks. Yeah, yeah. There was like yeah, multiple. Buck in the COVID year. Or the, it the was the COVID year. year or the, yeah, we were like way up in those the, the empty, seats. Yeah, the empty yeah. arena year. Yeah, yes. that's what it was. So. Yeah, and so I don't know. I just thought about that today, and I was like, I, you know, there's clearly not a for sure option mm-hmm. in, at the, that ninth man spot. There's certainly an argument to be made that, you know, we're sitting here – like crying about turnovers, like you can make a pretty strong argument that playing a point guard 
you know, a second point guard <laughs> would, help. Yeah. Would, would help with that there. Yeah. Uh, I think also tonight it kind of like broke up the Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert minutes together, which have been kind of the most egregious spacing issue minutes mm-hmm. um, for this team. Not that, I mean, Jordan's not a knockdown three-point shooter, but, you know, it's probably be better than what it's been from, from Kyle thus far this season. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how it goes because maybe that just flips a switch kind of for the second unit and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where it gives you some more consistent life, consistent competence in the lineups that are majority bench players. You know, that, that, that's what this team feels like it needs. It needs, it needs something to make the, way up and down nature of these bench units be a little bit more stable. And when I, you know, I think about back those couple years where it was like J-Mac and TP and Nas and Vando, you know, you just kind of, the second unit grew in identity. I don't know if that, I was probably Torian Prince more than it was anybody in that group, Mm -hmm. but it was also kind of like J-Mac and Nas. And I I wonder if they can't find something through J-Mac, maybe with that pace, maybe with a little bit more activity of, of making, you know, of making it, making that second unit just have a little bit more juice to it, have a little bit more offense. I, I pulled, cause you know, again, I was just sitting at home waiting for you. I, <laughs> I, uh, I looked yeah. up like, um, yes, spreadsheets, my favorite part. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Well, hold on. Let me, let me get this all in here. Um, I, I just looked up like the McLaughlin lineup mm-hmm. combinations from, from last year. One, it's kind of, you know, Jordan was, was hurt for much of the year. Right. And, all of those are positive net ratings, right? The guy right. he played with most was Prince, played Nas, Ant, Anderson, Noel, McDaniels, Towns, Nah, Gobert, all all positive net ratings. But he was particularly effective when out there next to Ant and out there next to Cat. And I was just kind of like looking at this. I'm like, okay, or thinking about if you put Jordan McLaughlin out there, like who would you want to play him with? And the first person I thought of was Nas because we think of that from a couple years ago. And right. that was actually his worst pairing in terms of uh, the team's effectiveness last Mm -hmm. year when they were on the floor together. And that kind of makes sense to me. When those two had a lot of success a couple years ago, it was a totally different roster. It was pre-Gobert. That team ran a lot more pick and roll, so J-Mac and Nas could run it. So I I say that to me, and I'm kind of – maybe these numbers kind of back it up, that maybe it isn't that. Maybe J-Mac, if he's part of it, isn't – you know, it isn't just him and Nas rolling out there and doing it. Maybe it's – you sub in, you know, Mike Conley plays like the first six minutes of the first quarter or third quarter. And then you put J-Mac in there to play the rest of the quarter with Carl and Ant, who normally play, you know, almost the entirety of the first and third quarter. So, you know, the numbers are going to be better because Ant and Carl are the, two of the best players on the team. But that really sticks out that, you know, Ant and J-Mac plus 13.9 last year. Uh, J Mac and Towns plus eighteen point one. Um, maybe maybe that's an answer. I don't know. Maybe that's an answer of of how of where you plug him in. Because if you're going to plug J Mac in, it needs to be in a place where it works and gives that group some sort of identity. It's it's like I said. It's the time. It feels like the time in the season to do that. Like mm-hmm. especially as you work through some of these issues offensively. Right. Um, I'm not surprised because you know I, I feel like J Mac just one of his his abilities is just, you know, in Conley's kind of the same, kind of the same way, but J-Mac, you know, he'll get somebody the ball quickly. Like he'll get Ant or he'll get Carl the ball quickly enough right. that they 
if they're quick as well, have a little bit of an advantage on a defender, I feel like. Sure. And that's one of his strengths as, as a distributor is he's very quick to make to make passes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that goes kind of into what we've always said about him is that quick decisions, quick ball movement. Um, you know, the ball doesn't doesn't hang around uh, when he's on the floor. Yeah. I feel like that's that's one of his gifts. And if you if you are, are able to do that with Ant and Cat, give them that little extra edge. I feel like it, it benefits them overall. And by the way, we saw some uh, Conley and J Mac minutes tonight yeah. as well. So yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like Conley plays off ball. Yeah. Conley plays yeah. off ball a lot of the time with Ant. You know, like yeah. I don't think it's it's not necessarily awkward for Conley offensively to do that in, mm-hmm. in bits and pieces. Now, I mean, now you're playing two guys who are under six feet tall uh, at the same time that might present some defensive issues uh, in, in those pairings. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the right answer is to plug J-Mac in exactly or where, but it does feel like, and it, it sounds like from what you said about Finch that it's an earnest consideration and, and I'm optimistic about what that could look like. You know, yeah. kind of when we talk about it's January, things change. Well, something often inst- has instigated that in previous seasons where the, where the Wolves all of a sudden were became, you know, a significantly better offensive right. team once the calendar flipped. I don't know if you're relying on that to be Jordan McLaughlin. That sounds kind of silly, but in some ways with the turnovers and everything, I, I think it well, makes for sense. Spurts, I mean, yeah, for spurts, it can be. And yeah, the, the question with J-Mac is we know, you know, what kind of player he is and can be it's just you know was he going to get back to that point sure um after what happened last season um and even early this season when he has the the knee injury that that keeps him out of like three four weeks of of action um but if he's truly back to form what we remember from you know two seasons ago um and seasons before that then yeah i think you will see a lot more of him because right now he has a little something off totally. the bench that they that nobody else can really bring mm-hmm. um you know we obviously they had high hopes that shake milton was going to be this kind of guy and still can be you never know guys can play their way back mm-hmm. into the rotation maybe um, into a new at, role even maybe yeah. into a new role right and so yeah. you know you, you never write anybody off in the nba when yeah. if they're not playing um but if j mac is actually back to form can knock knock down some shots um, you know, that's and man, make a couple plays on defense because that's always you know a, a question as well with him. Then yeah, then him playing eleven ish minutes a night. Why not? Right. You know? uh, let's yeah. grab uh, one more break and then uh, we'll close this one out with Chris. Mm-hmm. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Chris, this is kind of a bigger picture, I don't know, um, thought that I had during the game. And... Again, we're, we're thinking a lot about the offense. And when we're doing that, we're thinking a lot about Cat and Ant. Is that where it, where it starts? And I just like thinking about the idea of their offensive performances need to create an advantage for others around them. That's, yeah. what's, that's what's so critical, right? It's, it's Ant when he's making that um, kick to Mike Conley in the corner in the, in the Warriors game. It's Carl and the empowering Rudy Gobert you know, element, the the lobs and stuff that he's, you know, sacrificed and done. And I think we've just started to shift a little bit away from that these these last three games. And it, it got me thinking about, you know, back, you know, five, six years ago or whatever, when the Wolves are bad, they started being that like empty stats, Carl argument. And I, I never, I don't even really, I don't agree with the concept of empty stats, right? Like, if, if you score 30, like you scored 30, but there, there is a difference in like scoring 30 in a way that really creates advantages for those around you. And in a lot of those te- what where there was a fair element to the quote unquote empty stats part of it is like, you think back about some of those teams that Carl played with, maybe it was just all of his teammates were bad, but you were like, you know, who is Carl elevating, you know, of, of this group, which teammate is really benefiting from playing alongside Carl and and I don't think that was happening earlier in his career. I don't think yeah. it was that. He he has shown that he can do that in, given the sacrifice he's made for Gobert and given that I mean he's assisted to Gobert more than anyone else on the team has right. uh this season and and last season too. So we know you know Carl can do it. I thought the first half tonight felt a little bit like that before. It was like man, he's like four for four, but some some stuff just felt a little problematic. And I was like, man, Carl, can you what, what can we do to create an advantage for those around him? And to Carl's credit, I thought in the second half, he did that. He was mm-hmm, decisive, mm-hmm. like you were talking about with J-Mac, firing, doing those sort of things, and you're having that advantage. But what I was really thinking about is Ant. I think these last three games, as you know, he said to us that he's going to be a lot more aggressive looking for his shot. And, man, I mean, he's had some big games. He had the 44 against Dallas. 31 uh, against the Lakers, 35 last night. I mean, those are three of his biggest games of his career in many ways, but I don't, in my head, log those three as three of his best games. And I think Ant has 
kind of had some of that where it's like, where is the advantage, the significant advantage? I mean, Ant, he's a threat in and of himself, and I know Carl is too, but that's what's kind of been missing to me about Ant recently is in leaning more into his shot, there haven't been advantages, and guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker or Kyle Anderson or whoever around them, they kind of need Ant to, to light the flame for them to even – you know, be able to to start moving at all. So I just think that's that that's worth stating there because if you just look at the, you know, if you miss these last three Wolves games, you go, man, Ant's killing it, and he is. Yeah. But I, I do you, do you agree with that? To me, some that it hasn't felt like as forceful as it looks on the stat sheet. Yeah, because you know, if he's creating for others, the whole offense starts to hum, and mm-hmm. you see some of these better performances that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel like he is being very intentional about his shot. When he drives to the hoop anymore, I'm I'm often feeling like, you know, it, it, it's score first, pass later. Um, yeah, you know that's that seems to be the mentality every time he drives anymore. Um, and it's I, funny, I was ta- I was at I had a wedding last night for mm-hmm. for New Year's Eve, and I was talking with some people, and somebody said they. My, my buddy had Anthony Edwards on his fantasy basketball team. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, I think fantasy basketball wise, Ant is like about to like, I think Explode. he's going to start yeah. being like a 30 a night guy. I really do. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And there's huge value in that. But can you be the 30 a night while also, you know, doing more than that? If that makes sense. I, I think the stats are going to go up I, the, the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably going to get them all NBA and all that stuff. But it can he do the stuff that really on the margin? Well, what are, well, what are his uh, what are his assist numbers the last couple of games? It's like uh, I, I saw Jay's really tweet about it four three and two. I mean, a lot of guys yeah. weren't haven't been making shots when he has been passing to him. And maybe that's, that's what it is. Well. Yeah. Maybe that's what it has been. Where Ant is like, all right, like if you miss one or two, it might not be coming back to you. You know, it's not like he's not passing, right? Um, but but there's a little bit more reliance it feels to me on himself than than there is trust in in his teammates to score not that it's zero or anything but it just feels like that yeah. shift we've we've gone there's been a little shift downward in that way yeah well he said he said when he made the comment it was about the OKC game yeah um and he said that he felt like he left some scoring out there for himself i'm looking at the line from that one he had 25 7 of 16 16 is like the least amount of shots he's taken in a game. Yeah, pretty much uh, all year. Other than all, other hurt, other yeah. other than like, yeah, there was one Memphis game he took 14, another 15. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 16 shots is a low number sure. for him. Um and he had six assists in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the offense as a whole didn't play great that night. So maybe he was trying to get, you know, that could have been maybe a 10 I think that was one of the hip like games, that. like right after the hip. I think that was OKC. No, 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 no. Okay, no. I'm talking about I don't know Memphis. I I don't know. I, yeah. Um, but but yeah, it, it's it was low, and and the OKC right. game was low. And this, this, this but this this came after uh, one of his I think maybe his best performance of the season yeah. against Sacramento. Sure. Were 34 points, 10 assists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, great mix of everything. Yeah. Um, you know, and then that OKC game seems to have had a you know, an, an imprint. On well, and, and, and we're just saying it seems yeah. to have had an imprint because yeah. he said so, you yeah. know, he said yeah. after that game, but he's then, stuck to, he's, he's 
stuck true to that word though. And and like, you yeah. guys were doing the Finch presser after the mm -hmm. Lakers game, and John and I went into the locker room because they were going at the same time, mm -hmm. whatever. And and yeah. Ant did say again, like John asked him, he was like, was that the same mentality um, in this game against the Lakers? Mm -hmm. he, he was like, hell yeah, like we're staying with this, staying with it, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. I'm looking for my shot, you know. And so I think it's fair to say there's been some sort of mentality shift in, in Ant, but it's also wise of you to point out, or four games mm -hmm. ago, Dane, that he was just playing a great, all around yeah. game where he was doing exactly what you're asking for, creating an advantage and doing that. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's my point is not at all that Ant can't create an advantage or Carl can't create an advantage. Mm -hmm. He does. They both do, but they got to get back to that a little bit more. Yeah. And, and when we're looking for these things to get a little bit better and a little bit better offensively, which is the main focus of this team, I think, I think it starts with them creating advantages for their teammates because they're going to be able to get their 25 30 whatever like they they, they can they can kind of do that um mm -hmm. can they do that while you're setting up Nikhil alexander walker for three four wide open threes in the game rudy for a couple yeah. of lobs like that that's the biggest thing i think this team needs right now um we, we've talked about their need for maybe a little more shooting mm -hmm. um in the past you think you know if, if they find that somewhere whether it be um you know in the trade market or whatever um maybe that opens it up a bit i, I don't know I'm, right. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here no i, I mean i think i think that, well it's what we we're talking about at the beginning it's it's right now that it's so condensed mm -hmm. is making it harder for them to do what i'm asking because because if he you know let's 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 give a, a theoretical here right let's say ants on the floor at a time when rudy and kyle are on the floor mm -hmm. it's like you know Ant sees Kyle in the corner, and I'm not saying Ant's going to think this, but it's like, oh, well, if I pass it out to Kyle, he's not going to shoot it, you sure. know, or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, does, does this enter into his head? No, it has to. I mean, or even right? just subconsciously yeah. yeah. making these, yeah. these quick decisions. Yeah. It, it, it mm -hmm. definitely, I mean, we could go through and find a clip, and I would be like, we would be like, he didn't pass it here because it was Kyle. Like, that, that yeah. definitely has happened. And, you know, mm -hmm. so now he's, yeah, you take one of, the options away of what you could do and it's going to for it's, it's pushing him further into a crowd and he's just like, all right, well, I'm going to go get a bucket then mm -hmm. or try to. Uh, and, and again, he's been, he's been getting buckets. Like he's had 30, 30 plus in these, these last three games, but I don't know, maybe it's just me overacting or maybe it's like, you know, you're doing this after a loss, whatever, but it doesn't, the impact of the game when I watched them, did not mirror the box score. And <clears throat> earlier in Ant's career, mm -hmm. if Ant had like 38 or when he had like 42 that first time against Phoenix or whatever, you were like, when he had a big scoring output, you were like, okay. You, you felt it. You felt it. And yeah. and that's just a little shift. I've I felt these these last three games. And I'm sure with practice and talking, whatever, like you you can get there. I'm just I'm just saying I think to get back on back winning, it it it's a must. I'm I'm with you. And that's what they've always preached with him is you're you have the ability to because of all the attention defense have to pay mm -hmm. to you, you have the ability to open this offense up for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and they often say, you know, when he gets doubled, one of the things that they've had to kind of you know, kind of stamp out of him is, you know, don't try to fight the double team, just get rid of it and trust that the ball will work back to you at some point. Um, you know, 
when you drive great power comes great responsibility right, right exactly as chris Finch like literally said <laughs> when you drive and kick you almost know that the ball's not going to come back to you yeah you know so you're basically willingly punting on a shot attempt for yourself to sure. create one for for somebody else um but what if he and, drives quicker earlier in the possession? You get off, of right? It, and then right, you get yeah, back and, and you, you relocate, like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where could, that's, could, that's where he's yeah. lethal, man. It's like once yeah. the defense is shifted and Ant gets it, and he can attack, and he has one guy to beat. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it, it's like Giannis. You know, it's like let's hope he biffs the layup here. You know, like he's just so speed and forceful that he can that he can kill anyone one on one, and that with a with a quick decision. It's tough when it's two three bodies and they're all looking at you and you're coming down barreling at them. Like right. They need to get him on the second side more, more mm -hmm. often. And and that requires him getting himself there, you know, getting off it to get back to it. Correct. And it, that, that requires deliberation and intention, yeah. which outside of driving with the intention of shooting mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it's is happening right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, he's had he's some of these nights recently have been have been good. Um, and they've won, they've won that Mavericks game, they won the Lakers game. Um but you're right. It's it's like a little more, maybe just a little more playmaking can can really benefit this mm -hmm. offense as a whole and get some of these guys maybe back on track a little bit. Spread defenses out. They won't crowd you as much. The turnovers might start to come down a little bit mm -hmm. um, for everybody. So I, I think all of this is is maybe connected with each other. Yeah. Nope, I agree. And it's mm -hmm. this is just a it's just a point in time. They lost a game. It's okay. Right. It's you okay. Know, it's okay. That day game, you don't give up all those offenses. But, but it's good. But it's good to it's good yeah. to delve into the into the weeds yeah. of some of this stuff. To you know, I, I'm, it, I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm enjoying I, it of like not, yeah. you know, not being like, oh, this is hopeless. But like, really, you know, I've they've impressed me. So I've set this bar mm -hmm. now in my head high. And if you want to be the one seed, can... if you want a deep playoff yeah. run, you got you got to clean up the things yeah. that. That yeah. pop up from time to time, and this happens. Yeah. And listen, it's an NBA season. This happens sure. to every team. Yeah. Um, every team has issues that they have to iron out at some point. Mm -hmm. um, even the best ones. So, yeah. you know, they might be going through it right now. Very interesting to see this next stretch of schedule here. Yeah. Um, one home game followed by four tough yeah. road games. Yeah. Um, I, I think it is going stretch. to be the the pivotal that road trip: Houston, Dallas. Orlando, Boston is it's, really going to be interesting. It's, it's, it's really tough. They yeah. can really, really show me something that you win like three. They go three and one in that. I'm like, okay, like let's mm -hmm. go. This is a, mm -hmm. this is a real, I mean, I, 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 as you and I talked about, I'm doing that road trip because yeah. I think, I, I think it's gonna not, I don't want to like, if they go one and three, that's totally understandable. I'm not going to say it pushes them down the toilet or something like that, but they could really show me something in this stretch where I, those are four tough opponents all on the road. Mm -hmm. And if you, they're able to take care of some business there, like I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing where I bump up that expectation a little bit higher and really start being like, yeah, I think this could be a conference finals or whatever sort of team, which sounds funny after we were just talking about how the, this offense has struggled. But um, if they can get the offense back on track a little bit mm -hmm. against hard teams, because the Pelicans before that at home um, and you know, iron out some of this stuff, flip that switch that make whatever the January, right. Everything's good thing. Like yeah. if they could find that in a difficult stretch here, like let's go. This is, this mm -hmm. is going to be, 
this is going to be a could be a special team. I don't want to take too much more of your time. Uh, let's. I appreciate you coming out of here. Uh, no problem, in, sir. In New York, I mean, there's nothing fun to do there at all. No, no. This is this is as good as it gets. It's <laughs> doing a nighttime podcast. So, after so good. Um, you got anything you're cooking up? Uh, uh, obviously, had the gamer from. Uh, yeah, nothing, from nothing, uh, nothing really uh, in the future here. Um, just you know, with the road trip coming up. You know, we'll be, I'll be at every game yep. that road trip. You'll be there. Um, so, you know, again, I reiterate that, you know, that's made possible by subscriptions to the star tribune. Sure. Um, and you know, the coverage that you, that you see mm-hmm. our, our ability to have locker room access on the road is, you know, really contingent on mm-hmm. having a, having a very good travel budget. So, mm-hmm. Thanks for those of you that that do support us, and and if you uh, if you're thinking about subscribing, you know, hopefully that that pushes you over into the into it. Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like especially with this season, hopefully you want to consume as much Wolves content as possible and make that and, you know make yeah. us a part of part of that coverage. Well, it's just you know, I mean, particularly for a road game, you know, it's it's where i go to get the information mm-hmm. of what the players were thinking you are the intermediary there and i do a couple of these trips here and there mm-hmm. john does a couple of them but you're you're the guy um at almost mm-hmm. every one of these these road games and yeah it's just a it's an important thing i think to the fan base and and to us those of us who do want to be consuming uh stuff daily so yeah obviously startribune.com uh, all all of chris's work there and and yeah what better year than this year uh, to subscribe and just start reading more. And Chris is a great writer. So I really uh, do recommend that again, Chris, uh, appreciate you coming on uh, late on a Monday night uh, after new year's Eve, <laughs> Yep. Um, but we did it. And uh, I will see you uh, back in Minnesota on Wednesday. Sounds good. See you later. Uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Christopher Hine. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Jason and I will talk on Wednesday morning until then. He's Chris. I'm Dan. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.